Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Exciting days happening in our church, isn't it? Come on, can we give the lovely Nicole a hand? Stand to your feet, church. Hey, just to let you know, today is the last day you can register for our Believe and Build Banquet. Uh, I'm actually shocked we have over 300 people coming to it. But if you want to be a part of it, uh, it'll be some great food. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to dress up and so forth. But it'll be a night of faith. And our commitment Sunday on February the 6th is never about equal um, equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And all I'd simply do is ask you, what is Commitment Sunday? Commitment Sunday in our church is, this, is the Sunday where we ask you from now, these, these next two weeks to say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? And what part can I play? Everyone can bring their brick, if you know what I mean. And when God asks you to bring a brick, he doesn't, uh, He knows where you're at. He's know where you're going. And I found He always stretches me to believe Him for greater things. And there's exciting things happening in our church. We're literally looking at a new building because how we know we need it. There's three absolutely packed services. And uh, our, our last, our 11 o'clock had an overflow. Um, this one has an overflow. Can we say welcome to our overflow today? And then there's some other people in the overflow, but they're there in their house. So I want to welcome them too. I just can't help myself, can I? No, pretty much. Come on, say this with me. God loves me and has a plan for my life. I abound in love. I seek wisdom. I live with vision. I overflow with joy. I'm a servant leader. I'm a person of honor. I resist fear. Come on, say that again. I resist fear and walk in courage by the grace of God. Help me hear your word and become all you desire. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman in our overflow and those watching online, our kids in our kids space, our teachers teaching, those in the production room and sound room. Father, I thank you for them. Our worship team, I thank you for them. I thank you for every amazing leader in our church. And I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to build what you are building. I pray for churches that I know. I pray for this state. I pray for the tri-state. I pray for this nation, God, that you would bless it and have your mercy upon it. And I pray and I declare over this house and this church that you are raising champions, that you are speaking to people, that you are causing dead things to come to life, that you are restoring marriages and homes and families. The Lord, that people were just going through the motions in religion will find true life in Jesus Christ, I pray. And a faith-filled, good-looking group of people said, come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Praise God, praise God. Hey, slap your neighbors, you sit down and tell them you're good looking and people like you. We've been in a series in our church called Go. Someone say, Go. 
It is a theme of our whole entire year and I've been preaching along that thought. And our first week we really introduced the thought but then began to talk on go and prioritise and go and prepare. Last week we talked about go empowered. How many enjoyed our Empower Weekend last weekend? How many enjoyed that? Wasn't that great? How many think we should have another one this week? I meant next year, but anyway. Some of you are like, yes, let's do it again. And then all the people who led it and served in it were like, no, no. <laughs> but anyway, we will have it again next year and I believe for it to be incredible as well. Acts chapter eight, we're gonna jump into the text of scripture. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible today, there's a big Bible behind me. <laughs> Some of you get my jokes. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're almost there. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go, someone say go. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandaki. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I'll go with Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him this question, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage. Someone say that very passage. That very passage. How many know you need to talk to people where they're at? got to talk to people where they're at. If you talk over their heads, it's not good. If you're just shouting at people that don't want to hear, how many know it's not good? It's good to have passion. It's good to want to share your story. But how many know the person needs to be ready? And uh, someone say, give me wisdom to know when they're ready. And uh, he begins to unpack this scripture and then Philip understands. And verse 36 says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I want to talk to you along this thought today go and keep hearing, go and keep listening. Say it with me, go, but keep hearing. Say go, and keep listening. I was having a conversation recently with one of a youth leader in our church, and I had really wanted to talk, to be honest, with you today about hearing the voice of God. I believe that one of the life-changing moments of your life is when God speaks to you personally. God begins to get a hold of your heart. But I felt like I had to stop and pause and understand that most of us and many of us are at different levels of faith, that some of us are mature and some of us have been Christians 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Some of us can quote Greek and Hebrew, been to Bible college and all kinds of stuff. And some of you are kind of like, 
Nah, that's not me. And, uh, and some of you have been Christians a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and some of you are checking out church and wondering about it, and you grew up Catholic, and you grew up Christian, or maybe you grew up non-religious whatsoever, and someone invited you, and, 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 and where you think, obviously I should not be telling you, you should hear the voice of God, because what I feel like is in my heart, if I told some of you, go and hear the voice of God, you don't have the foundation to hear the voice of God. You don't have the foundation in the Scriptures. You don't know really much about the Scriptures. And if you were to go and hear the voice of God, you might hear it. But the truth is, most of the time, you would actually get deceived because you don't know how to to measure it. Does that make sense? And Philip has gone down and he literally tears apart Samaria, to be honest. Samaria is under the influence, someone say influence. It is under the influence of this man called Simon the Sorcerer. He is a powerful figure. He is though deceptive and everyone thinks he's the power of God. But Philip actually goes and preaches and signs and wonders are done in the name of Jesus. And everyone, someone say everyone. Everyone believes in Samaria and begins to believe upon Jesus. And the Bible says so much so that great joy comes to the city. How many think when the church of the living God comes to a city, there should be more joy? How many think the house of God should be a place of joy? I love when people compliment me, man, your, your church is such a happy place. It should be a happy place. We had a funeral, but since Jesus came back from the funeral, it is now a resurrection party. It is a victory party. It is an overcoming party. And so there must be joy in the house of God. Now, let me say this. It doesn't mean it's just happy and clappy and bursting with love and you leave. And you're like, ha, 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 that was so amazing. It may mean you leave and are bothered. You might leave church and be bothered. Why? Have you ever gone to a doctor and the doctor gave you a bad report and he said, listen, you need to change your life. And, but if you don't change your life, it's not going to go well. How many of you know that doctor loved you? Yeah. That doctor actually was listening to the actual oath he took when he became a medical doctor to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So don't find another doctor. Listen to the doctor. Sometimes when it comes to preaching God's Word, how many know that I might tell you that your heart perhaps needs a check? And the Holy Spirit will take a moment, and I might even be talking about something that in particular, but the Holy Spirit takes a moment to say, hey, what's in here? And you're like... I need a new doctor. I don't like that church. You have to change at that church. (laughs) Never attend a church. You never have to change. If you go to church the rest of your life and you never, ever have to change, you might be at the wrong church. (laughs) Do you know when the children of Israel came to the house of God, God commanded them they were to always walk out a different door. Why? It was the symbol that when you come, you leave different. Oh, that's good preaching. (laughs) Don't you like the way I just complimented myself? I was just like, there you go. That's good preaching. Sometimes you got to be your own encourager. No one else encouraged you? I encourage myself. Yes, sir. Philip 
is effective because he hears. The Ethiopian is changed because he listens. Say that with me. Philip is effective because he hears. He has literally brought a revival to Samaria. People have believed upon Jesus, but he doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit speaks to his heart and he finds one official, a high up official, which means it kind of says, hey, the Lord's calling. <laughs> it, it says to me this, that God cares about character and government. Why? Because he doesn't send Philip to anyone. He sends him to a high up person. And he changes his life. But then here's what's interesting. The eunuch is effective because he listens. So, say that with me. The eunuch is effective because he listens. Let me encourage you of this, that many of you need to understand that you are in a listening season, not so much a hearing season. None of you got that. Good. That just means I didn't say it very well. Uh, so let me try and unpack that. If you are new to your faith, if your commitment is kind of growing, but not there yet, you are most likely in a listening season, not a hearing season. Now, let me encourage you. God will speak to your life. God will, literally, I was 18 and God spoke to my life, clear as a bell. And I look back and I don't want to discourage you that God is not going to speak to you. But I, what I do want to say is, if I then heard the voice of God at 18, but then stopped listening to, be, to people today, I would be a fool. How many of you think that foundations are important? About a year or so ago, we did a little work on a house and they had to build next to the foundation. The builder literally said to me, hey, um, Anthony, can you come because there's a problem with your foundation? Then they started explaining what was wrong and all the things and all this kind of stuff. I was kind of like, I don't want to hear this. Tell me how much money. That's the only thing I cared about. Is this $100? Is this $7.99? Is this $30,000? Thankfully, it was maybe $2,000. But I just wanted them to know that, man, show me the money. Like, tell me how much it is. But what they were actually doing was doing me a long-term favor by fixing the foundation. And I wanna tell some Christians in here, if you are a person of faith, that it is critical that you build the foundation of your life. Hear this again. Because if you're not building on a right foundation, the winds come, the winds blow, the rain comes down. And haven't you noticed that storms come whether we like it or whether we don't. But if you build your life on the right foundation, your life will stand. How many want to stand? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. They are asking Jesus a theological question to trick him. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them the beginning someone say at the beginning made the male and female and said for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what God has joined together let not man separate I'm not here to talk to you about marriage but I want you to point see these all-important words Jesus says in the beginning someone say in the beginning these three words 
give us the indication that Jesus, his worldview was a Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3 worldview. In fact, when Jesus is tempted by the devil for 40 days in the desert, he quotes the Word of God and he quotes Deuteronomy each time. He quotes Malachi, he quotes Hosea, he quotes Isaiah, he quotes the Psalms, he quotes it over and over again. And what I want to tell you today is, if Jesus had a worldview that was a Genesis 1 worldview, if I am a follower of Jesus or am becoming a follower of Jesus, I need to embrace a Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3 foundation Otherwise, I'm not really following Jesus. You're getting quiet in here, but I hope you're getting this. So let me go, go through a couple of points. How many like points in church? How many don't care about points at all? Well, it gives me some direction, and I think it'll help you learn something. How many came to learn something? Yeah, how about the rest of you? I'm not, I know it all. Number one. God made the world, not cosmic chance. If Jesus was a Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3 teacher, and he was, if he said in the beginning, then when he rose from the dead, he affirmed this. And I would say to you that so many times that you and I, uh, we've been taught through Perhaps the 1960s and 1970s, we've been taught Darwinism and all kinds of stuff. And I just want to assure you today that God made you. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not just random chance. Otherwise, your life makes so, no sense at all. But God in heaven made you and loves you. And man, there is a reason for your life. Can I get a good amen? I know this is basic, but I found that you've got to go back to the basics and feed people's faith and strengthen their foundation because our foundations are cracking and bad things are happening and people are calling themselves Christians and, and they don't have any kind of view like Jesus. How many know that uh, I don't have to meet the owner of Express Jeans to know that there was a creator of my jeans? I've never met the CEO of H&M. How many know I don't need to meet him? I've never met uh, the owner of BMW. I've never met the owner of Mercedes. But if I was to say to you, I don't believe that there was an owner of Mercedes. I've never met the owner of my watch. But I do not believe this, that one day, millions and millions of years ago, there was a little band a watch band was floating through the universe and it decided to attract another watch band. And those two watch bands came together and they asked themselves this question, what time is it? <laughs> and when they realized they didn't know what time it was, they all of a sudden realized that they needed a little hand. So they attracted millions and millions of years later, they attracted a little hand and that little hand liked to hang out with them like a good paella. <laughs> and eventually batteries came together arm watches came together and eventually that watch had a baby <laughs> and it produced the hundreds of brands of Rolex and Swatch and 
Someone else give me a name of Fossil. Timex. Guess. Victor. What else? Fuchsia. Sounds like tongues to me, people. Wherever there is creative order, wherever there is creative design, I don't need to meet the designer or the creator. I simply know from rationality that there must be a creator and there must be a designer. Number two, God made Adam and Eve to rule and reign over creation, produce offspring and walk with him. God made Adam and Eve to rule and reign over creation. God takes Adam and breathes into him the breath of life and he blesses him and says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. If you want some evidence for Genesis chapter one, there's 8 billion people on the earth today. We did that command, fill the earth and subdue it. We even think we own the world so much that we wanna send people to Mars, Elon Musk. Like people want to navigate Mars. I'm like, make world a better place. Anyway, you do you. I saw Total Recall. It was crazy. We don't need to go there. How many of you 30 years ago been watching all this sci-fi stuff and say, we're here? Sci-fi, sci-fi. I don't know what we say. Do you say sci-fi or sci-fi? Oh, thank you. Thank you for the education. <laughs> my son recently was correcting me my English. And I said, I speak the king's English. <laughs> and you're 13. Brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. <clears throat> Number three, God made them male and female. This is so basic to basic 101 Christianity, but it actually needs to be affirmed and taught today and then taught and affirmed today and taught and affirmed today because in an article in ABC News recently, they listed there are 58 gender identities. How many know that when you begin to adopt a philosophy like that, you are simply causing confusion to a generation Here's the thing, compassion for a individual specific problem can never mean you throw out God's design, God's order, God's law, God's boundaries. I was just talking to some teachers out in the foyer today and she is a teacher of seventh grade and she said she is not allowed to call them boys and girls. It's not going to happen in New Jersey. It is here. It is right now. And I would warn you very strongly that nothing will destroy the family to a greater dimension than this. Lies are not compassionate. Truth, truth is not not loving. Truth actually is loving. Truth sets people free. Truth, truth says to someone, you are like this, keep embracing this, but you need to reject some of the things that pull at you. 
And the only thing that I can explain it as is this, every worldview seeks disciples. What do I mean by that? We've said, be compassionate, be compassionate. But actually what we're doing is we're taking over. In our schools, you can't call someone a male and female. You can't call them a boy and girl. You are creating a culture of confusion. And it is anti-God. It is anti-science. It is anti-biology. It is dangerous. It is demonic. It is opposed to the things of God. That is the truth. And I feel quite burdened about this. Do you know that this week in Canada, that if a pastor, they just passed a law that if a pastor says to someone heterosexuality, which is really God's design, male and female in the context of marriage, that if a pastor tells someone that that is the God's choice is the best way I can describe it, that pastor now can be sent to prison for five years. If you don't think that'll come to America, you are blind, my friend. Because the extreme ideology of this type of teaching never seeks to remain one, it simply seeks to spread. The Muslim religion seeks to make disciples. Buddhism seeks to make disciples. Atheism seeks to make disciples. A pleasure-centered life seeks to make disciples. Jesus Christ seeks to make disciples. And you've got to understand when we come under a certain teaching, we are a disciple whether we like it or whether we don't. So which disciple do you want to be? Which disciple do you want to be? You're like, oh, I won't follow Jesus. You'll be your own disciple. Ah, that's too hard for me, Pastor. I'll be my own disciple. I'll come under the pleasure, the pleasure message. I'll come under, there's no meaning, there's no God. You're a disciple of someone. I want to give you a resource because I don't just want to give you information that would stir your um, emotions and get you hyped up in a moment, but I do think you need to educate yourself. How about that? Uh, I think Ali Beth Stuckey, she does a podcast and it's on YouTube and she, she does one that I think every parent should listen to. It's called The Untold Stories of Gender Transition. Um, it'll, it'll honestly break your heart. There's another one out there called Dragging Your Kids' Minds Into the Gutter, Ali Beth Stuckey. I wouldn't say I agree with everything she says, but how many know you can eat the meat and spit out the bones of anyone you listen to? And I hope sometimes, you know, you might come to church and eat the meat and spit out the bones, but hopefully I give you a lot more meat than I do bones. And hopefully when you come out of the house of God, you, you, there's almost like a Holy Spirit bother that, oh gosh, I didn't realize I was swallowing so many bones of culture myself. See, the truth is, you know, when you talk about politics, it's, it's funny, everyone gets emotional. But here's what I want to tell you about government and leadership and politics. A Christian should always value the kingdom far more than any other political persuasion, anything, right? Our allegiance is Jesus. That's our allegiance. But when my allegiance is Jesus, therefore the morals of Jesus become my allegiance. Therefore the morals of Jesus then help me discern and see through some of the other things that would 
literally say, well, that's completely opposite of Jesus. So I can't affirm that because I align with Jesus more than I do the Republicans or I align with Jesus to do with more than I do the Democrats or I align with Jesus more than I do with with just being an American. I hope that you align with Jesus more than you do with simply being an American or a black American or a white American or an Asian American or a Latino American. I hope you begin to align your morals with Jesus and so you become a Jesus follower not just an American Christian. Does that make sense? And I'm telling you this because there needs to be a warning in your world. If you're a parent, how many put up, if you're a parent here, put up your hands quickly. Just let me see how many parents are here. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7 says. Jesus has just quoted Deuteronomy that says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And then He says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What was He saying? You can't just be casual about building a foundation. You actually need to build a foundation every day. And you need to be aware of what they watch and you need to be aware of what they look at on YouTube and you need to be aware of TikTok and you need to be aware of their phones and you just got to be aware. And let me tell you, if you're a teenager, oh, I don't like this. Listen, there are, listen to me, there are doors that you open as a youngster that you still have the scars 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years later. There are doors that I'm so glad to this day that my mother was very careful that those doors weren't open for me. Because I don't need to deal with some of the stuff other people deal with because mum was watching the doors of the home. She was, uh, she was, she was vigilant to say, no, 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 you can't, you can't see that. You can't watch that. And I don't, I don't, there's, it, it, I live in the blessing sometimes of a mother who was protecting me because there were certain doors that yes, they creaked a bit open and they creaked a bit open, but I didn't run through those doors. And for some of you, your phone is the most education rich thing you could do. And some of you, your phone is the most dangerous place you could be because it'll lure you into places you never thought you'd ever go to because you open doors. Now hear me now. When the serpent comes to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, the first thing he does is says, did God really say? Someone said doubt. Did God really say? And Eve did a beautiful answer. She said, yes, God really said. He said, we can eat of every tree, of everything except this tree. So he he questioned her with, or he posed doubt and she responded with the word but then he comes back and how you know the enemy comes back <laughs> he doesn't tempt you once haven't you noticed that <laughs> I've never met anyone pastor I've been tempted one time in my life <laughs> I'm such an amazing angel <laughs> no temptation is around us all the time it's everywhere it seems and then the second one was you will not die 
day that you eat of it, he says, your eyes will be opened. He says, and you will be like God. And she should have responded, I already am like God. I'm made in the image and likeness of God. And Adam should have stepped up too. For some reason, Adam was nowhere to be found. He was quiet, just like hanging out with his wife, like, oh, giving him food. I'll eat some food. I'll have an apple. Stupid is as stupid does. I'm not a smart man, but I know what dumb is. How many you think when you show up to heaven, you're going to worship Jesus, but kick Adam and Eve a little bit? Just kind of like, good, good job, Eve. Good job, Adam. Ruined it for us all. I'll be like a pinata. Sorry. Number four, Adam and Eve were born into a world at war. Now here's what's interesting. They were born into a perfect place. The Garden of Eden was perfect. Their nature was perfect. They were made in the image and likeness of God, but Satan had already fallen. And so he came. They were perfect and they were to dominate and they were to rule the earth and subdue it and live in perfect harmony with God. But Satan comes and he looks for an open door and he finds that open door. And because he looked for that open door, you and I live in a world that sometimes you watch things like crime shows and CSI and all kinds of things. And, and you go, God, where are we? How's this even possible? I was looking at something on Instagram. I follow an organization called Exodus Cry. It begins to talk about trying to expose some of the lies of the pornography industry and basically tells them that, and begins to paint a picture that most of the time the pornography industry is basically funneled by sex trafficking. And they begin to share stories of eight and nine and 10 and 11 year old girls that what happens to them. And then people share their things on these thing, um, these websites and literally their life is destroyed. And you literally look at it and go, God, why, why do people do that? Why does humanity do that? And there's no other way to explain some things except there is a good nature, there is a bad nature, and there is an evil force at work that will lure you and I into all kinds of nonsense if we're not surrendered and our foundation is not on Christ Himself. Do you believe it? But here's the interesting thing I find sometimes. Sometimes you read a passage of Scripture and I kind of see people's eyes kind of glaze over. Like, uh, you know, when you talk about Adam and Eve and the serpent and I don't know how many of you have ever been in a garden and serpent starts talking to you. That's never happened to me. I don't know about you. That's never happened. But what we fail to, what we fail to basically take from this lesson of Scripture is this, is we fail to see that the enemy took control of the snake. But the enemy can take control of you. The enemy took control of Judas. The enemy took control of Simon the sorcerer. The enemy took control of the Pharisees. He even took control of Simon Peter and he was a follower of Jesus for a moment. He took control of Ananias and Sapphira when they were greedy. He took control of King Saul when he was insecure. He took control of Cain when he got 
jealous about his brother. And here's the interesting truth. Unless we build the foundation that God is both good and therefore His commands are both good and loving, many Christians will get led astray to eating from trees they are never meant to eat from. Unless you build the foundation that disobeying God's laws and ways mean you're coming under another master, you will always make light of the law of the Lord. Listen to what Psalm 19 says. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, more uh, more than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Man, I love the song we sung before. It was based on Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 says this, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is what we're doing. We're hearing the Word. We're digesting it and putting it into practice so that our foundations are strong. He says, He is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me say again that some doors are never meant to be open. It is a season, let me say this, our church has the touch of God on it. Our church has this sense, it's just in the atmosphere. Lives are changing. Lots of people are transforming and transform groups and everything seems to be growing and and doing well. But I just feel this encouragement and this, this conviction of the Holy Spirit that go but keep hearing, but go but keep listening. Keep building your life upon the Word of God. Keep listening to the Word of God. Keep hearing it so that you can measure your morals and measure culture by the Word of God so that you're not just... You're not just sucked into everything else and you just swallow lies and deceptions. You know, it should mean something to be a Christian. Let me say this, it should mean something to be a Christian. But sometimes I hear people saying, I'm a Christian. And yet you hear what they're for. And and I'm not trying to judge it, I'm trying to discern it. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm trying to say, well, is that, is that what Jesus would think? Because when Jesus says, my foundation is Genesis 1, God made men in the, in the image of male and female, then that should be our normal, not our abnormal. That should not be questionable or confrontational to say boys and girls. That should not be radical. But I find that We have many people who are supporting people that actually push this agenda. In the last three weeks, I think it was in in New Jersey alone, they made it codified abortion to the nine month point. Nine month point. Do you know the nations that do the nine month point? North Korea, Russia, and one other communist nation. 
and yet New Jersey thought it was protecting women's rights to say you can do it to nine months. Exodus chapter 20 says you shall not murder. And the man in office, both the president and the governor, call themselves a Catholic. My Bible would say you literally abandon the teachings of Christ because you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Sometimes I feel stirred to talk about things I'd never want to talk about. But to follow Jesus means to follow courage. To follow Jesus means to follow courage. Sometimes when I get up here, I feel the fear. I feel the tension. I feel, ah, not everyone's going to like it. Can't I just have an encouraging message, Jesus? Can't you just give me the nice fluffy ones? Just let me talk about hope. I sometimes look at the gospel and I'm like, Jesus, really? I forgive them, but you know, to be honest, sometimes that's just self-righteousness. Jesus' love is more than my love. And he was the one, he said, you've heard and said of those of old, you shall not murder. But I say unto you, he who hates his brother in his heart has already committed murder. Jesus did not rip down the Ten Commandments. Jesus elevated the Ten Commandments to a position of the heart. He says, you've heard it said of those of old. What's he quoting? Exodus chapter 20, you shall not commit adultery. But what does he do? He says, but I say unto you, he who's looking at a woman to lust after her is already committing adultery in his heart. What's he doing? Is he ripping down the Ten Commandments or elevating the standard and the holiness of God? 
He's elevating the standards and holiness of God to the point where we all look and say, who can be saved? And then we say, Jesus, we need you. Come on all across this place, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for every man here. I thank you for every woman here. I thank you for every family represented in the sound of my voice. And there's so many different ages. There's so many different journeys. There's so many different backgrounds. There's so many, but every single one of them, you made them and you love them and you have a plan for their life. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come in these moments right now and draw people that don't know you and soften the heart of one who's running from you and soften the heart of one who who doesn't even see the things that they are compromising. God, we're so blind to our own mistakes sometimes. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that the light of your Word and the light of your Holy Spirit would blow across this auditorium and into the overflow and into the kids space and into those watching online right now in the name of Jesus and that Lord not just this church but every church in New Jersey and every church in America God would grow and be stronger and strengthened I pray for this nation today that it would it would um, Lord your mercy would pour out across it in Jesus name and there would be a mighty awakening in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, with eyes closed, you may be in this place and you sense the Spirit of God drawing you. You may be in this place and you would say, Pastor Anthony, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I grew up Catholic or Christian or non-religious. My mother might be moral or father might be moral. You might say, "I'm, I'm kind of a good person. Our righteousness compared to heaven's righteousness is night and day. He said, I came into the world to save the world, to forgive the world, to heal the world, to restore the world. But He didn't just come for the world, He came for you. He died upon a cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then He didn't just die a brutal death. He rose victorious. And the King of all kings sent His Spirit into the world to convict it and to draw it and to change it. So if you're here today and you don't know Him, if you're here today and you don't know if you're a child of God, let's get that one settled. Has there been a moment where you turn to God? Has there been a moment where you trusted in God? Has there been a moment where you say, Jesus, forgive me, I believe in You gift of righteousness comes through faith faith alone so in this place we're going to pray a prayer and I want you to pray this prayer after me and and I'm going to ask God to meet you where you need it so come on let's pray this prayer say Jesus thank you for loving me dying for me I believe in you I trust in you. From this day on, I turn to you. I trust in you. Help me follow you for the rest of my days. Open my eyes, my ears, my heart. Forgive me, Jesus. Help me walk with you and know you. If you prayed that prayer today, 
You say, Pastor Anthony, today I stepped over the line of faith. Today I said, I am a child of God. You know, today was a significant moment for you. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and raise it up high. One, two, three, all across this place. Raise your hand. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Thank you. Hands going up all across this place. Hands going up all across this place. Father, I pray for every hand. I pray for every heart. That you would plant them in your purpose and plant them in your house. That they would literally hear the voice of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Lord, that they would be forgiven and born again by the Spirit of the living God. Would you stand your feet for a moment? Would you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, would you just open your palms to heaven? Say, Jesus, make me courageous. Make me loving. Make me wise. Fill me. Fill me where I'm empty. Strengthen my foundations. Help me hear. Help me listen. Build my life upon your word. Reveal your plan to my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every man and every woman. I pray for them today that you would truly build their foundation. And I pray that sleeping giants would awaken. I pray that champions would arise. I pray that people would, would, would know and sense how to pray for their home and pray for their family, how to walk in their calling more, how to protect their, their, their young ones, but share their faith. Be full of love and be full of grace, God. God, I just tell you again, we need you. Your people need you. God, let the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, loins good about with, with, with truth, feet shed with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Lord, be on them. Grow them, I pray, according to your purpose. Fill them with your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive God's Word today. Come on, if you receive it, give the Lord a huge hand.